Recorded live. You're traveling through a known dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Journey into the wondrous land of boundaries of data and imagination. That signpost up ahead, your next stop, Twilight Zone Commentary. Hello, and welcome to Talking Twilight Zone, the commentaries. I'm your host, Robert, and usually you would be getting a show where uh, it's me, Lynn, Bobby, Dave, sometimes Ed, we would get together and discuss an episode from the Twilight Zone. But Lynn and Bobby, um, they are now in Philadelphia. They are moving in and getting all settled around. So we will have our next episode November the 24th, and we will be reviewing To Serve Man. So a wonderful classic episode coming up here on Talking Twilight Zone. I want to thank everybody for downloading and listening to the commentaries. So this time around, I will be talking Kick the Can. And as last time, I will be um, intermixing some of the reviews from um, Lynn and Bobby and Ed. And I want to just to let you know that these are not full reviews um, in order to get the full ones you will have to go to the um, site and listen to the episode and to get to the site it's um, talkshoe.com and you go to the show number which is 68228 where you will find a listing of our commentaries and give it a listen we have some very interesting and diverse reviews on certain episodes that I think you will enjoy. But you heard enough from me. Let's get started with the commentary. But before we start the commentary, usual, we usually play a little bit from Rod Serling himself. But this time around, to some people, you may not know that there was also the 83 version of Kick the Can from the Twilight Zone, the movie. Now, that one has Scatman Crothers in it, so I will be discussing that as well as the um, original Kick the Can itself. So I decided to do something a little bit different. Um, I put on the narration from the man himself, Burgess Meredith. Uh, Of course, you know Burgess Meredith has been on a few of the Twilight Zone episodes, and he did a narration for the movie. So first you'll hear the narration from... Burgess Meredith, and then we'll go right into uh, Mr. Serling Kick the Can intro. So, here we go. It is sometimes said that where there is no hope, there is no life. Case in point, the residence of Sunnyvale Rest Home, where hope is just a memory. But hope just checked into Sunnyvale, disguised as an elderly optimist who carries his magic in a shiny tin can. And now, Mr. Serling. Sunnyvale Rest. A home for the aged. A dying place and a common children's game called Kick the Can. It will shortly become a refuge for a man who knows he will die in this world if he doesn't escape into the twilight zone. Make sure you um, have your DVD or VHS or whatever you have, people still. Watch stuff on VHS. Go past, if you got the Time Life version of the Twilight Zone, go past the intro there and get to the point where the music's just getting ready to start. And then um, press pause right there. So, if everybody's set up, let's get started. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, play. 
Well, now we have the um, music going here, and a familiar um, Rod Serling saying the words, going into the Twilight Zone. A little bit about the um, episode here. Um, it's Season 3, Episode 86. It was directed by Lamont Johnson, written by George Clayton Johnson. We also have um, stock music in this one and some of the score from Walking Distance. This is production code 4821. The original air date was February 9th, 1962. And then we have um, the guest actors, um, Ernest True um, as Charles Whitney, and um, also his real-life son, Barry True, as um, Charles' son. We have Russell Collins as Ben Corroy. We have John Marley as Mr. Cox. Bert Musson as Carlson, um, Earl Hudson as the first old man, Hank Patterson the second old man, Margie Bennett as the first old lady, we have um, Lorraine Shinewise as the second old lady, and Eve B as the night nurse. Of course, one of the things that um, Lynn brought up is um, how um, Brett Musson always played a lot of the old characters. TV shows, but why don't we go ahead and um, we'll go ahead and play um, Lynn's review on Kick the Can, how she felt about it. And he wants to stay young. He plays the role of Charles Whitley to perfection. And the thing I love about Ernest Tripp is that he has a wonderfully expressive face. He conveys sadness, happiness, excitement, giddiness. I mean, he, he expresses them so well that you can't help but feel everything that he's feeling. And Ben Conroy is his lifelong friend and roommate at the nursing home. But he's the complete opposite of Charles. I mean, he's accepted the fact that he's old and has no desire to engage in the youthful activities that Charles talks about with all of his enthusiasm, running through the sprinklers and, you know, playing kick the can, all these things. And I love the scene where Charles, in which Charles and the other residents, they sneak out of the home like a bunch of mischievous kids. You know, they're running down, sneaking down the steps. And, of course, Ben, he wants no part of it. And he reports them to the hospital administrator, Mr. Cox. And he arrives on the scene, but he arrives too late. All of the old folks who played kick the can on the lawn have turned back into children again. But Mr. Cox doesn't know this. And he goes off searching for the old folks. And, you know, Ben knows. Ben knows it, and he suddenly decides, oh, my God, I'm all alone here. I want to go with you guys. I want to be young again, too. But he missed his chance. And to me, I, I thought the guy, uh, Russell Collins played Ben, and he played the role of Ben with just the right amount of curmudgeonly attitude mixed with a small amount of sympathy and concern for his old friend because he really was concerned about Charlie. I mean, he was scared that, that he was going nuts. You know, so he did care about him, but, you know, he also, you know, it was like concern, but, you know, I'm not going to go along with this kind of, it, it was just like, he was a curmudgeon, but he cared, that kind of thing. So, you know, he, and you know who he reminded me of? Um, remember Static, the, the episode Static, the radio? Mm -hmm. Dean Jagger? Yeah, yeah his, yep. he reminded me of that character. He almost even looks a little like him. Uh, Dean Jagger's character in Static, he was a grouch, but he had a soft side hidden deep down. And, you know, I thought the rest of the cast was great, too. I mean, who do we see? We see good old Burt Mustin as one of the residents. Here's a character actor. I, I think this guy has shown up on every TV show at one time or another 
throughout his entire career. I don't think there's a TV show in existence that Burt Mustin hasn't shown up in. And it's all, one other thing. It's interesting to note here that the guy who played Charles's son was Ernest, Ernest True's real-life son, Barry. Yeah, that was oh, his real-life Yeah, that was his real-life son. And he was in it, what, for 10 seconds? But uh, he didn't get it. He got like 10 seconds of screen time. He wasn't mentioned in the credits. I don't even. I, I meant to look him up today when IMDb, and I forgot to do it to see if he ever did anything else. But that was his real life son. Charlie's left alone at the end by his son. And then at the end, Ben's left alone by Charlie. So it's all, you know, everybody's being left alone at some point. Because the Charlie character was portrayed. In the movie by Scott Mancrothers, pretty much. Yeah. And he didn't yeah. have a son. In the movie, did the son come to get him? I forget now. They I had the whole exact thing with the son, and he goes into the car, and he talks to the son, and he gets okay. out. So they do there keep that one the same as in the episode. Yeah, I forgot if the son was there. Yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. I don't know. I don't I don't want to go back to my childhood. I mean... I I wouldn't mind going back to my 30s. Early 30s would be okay. I'll go back to my early 30s. Uh, too many things in my childhood and teen years I don't want to relive. You know, well, just some... stay away from magical um, carousels. That's right. Yeah, magical carousels and those things. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose Charlie and the rest were happy for the time being. And I was happy to see it left at that. I didn't need it reworked. I, they they didn't need to, to change it or remake it for the movie. But I like this episode. I actually really like this episode. So I'm rating it a four for excellence because I love Ernest Drew, and I just thought it was really well done. Thank you, Lynn, for that little reveal in the commentary. Yes, and, you know, they get together and they talk about in the, the scene where um, they're going to go out one night and they're going to go and kick the can and try to get their youth back. I um, give you a little bit of what I felt review-wise on this episode. And basically what I said was, um, you know, when we were young, we didn't think about having a car, a home, or money to live on. As kids, we played things like jump rope, board games, and sports. Unfortunately, Kick the Can was never a game that I played. I do remember games like Jack's. Red Light, Green Light, Statues, and Hide and Seek when I was younger. Besides um, reviewing this episode, I would also review the portion of Kick the Can from the 1983 Twilight Zone movie. At the end of this review, Charles Whitley thinking that he is going to be taken home to live with his son and wife only discovered that his son doesn't want the responsibility of taking care of his father. When Charles is left behind, he watches a bunch of kids playing Kick the Can comes up with the idea that if he can get a game going with the people at the old folks' home, then they could be young again. His old emo sourpuss friend Ben doesn't want to have anything to do with it, so Charles Neal goes out without Ben one night to kick the can. While the home director looks for the missing old people, Ben discovers too late that his friend Charles was right. They all became kids and ran away, leaving Ben all alone. It was an alright episode, but not the kind to knock my socks off. It very much reminded me of the classic um, cartoon Frosty the Snowman. Was there magic in that can, as in Frosty's hat? Or did Thinking Young turn the clock back for the older folks? 
There was some humor added in this episode, but in the right places. The questions that I ask is the one that is allowed that well that is answered in Twilight Zone the movie. How are these kids going to survive without the parents supporting them? Food, shelter, clothing, etc. Do they really want to end up as orphans and um, go back to school over again? I wouldn't want to relive that. Yes, it's great to be young again, but I wouldn't want to go through all of that over again. As I said before here, it was written by George Clayton Johnson, who did a great job with the story, which to most is considered a classic episode. Now, talking a little bit about um, the Twilight Zone movie, few changes are made to the script that causes the second portion of this film to fall flat on its face. I watched the clip from Cisco and Ebert where Roger said the film was derivative and fell flat on its face, while Gene gave it a passable mark. They felt that the kick to cam portion of the movie was not that great. In fact, I would have to agree with them. The only thing that I liked about the second portion of the movie is Gatman Crothers. In the movie, he plays the role of Charles as Mr. Bloom. We have our emo sourpuss again as the character Leo Conroy. The script pretty much follows the original story except to the point of the old folks becoming kids again. This time around, the question that I asked was answered in this one. Only one of them remained a kid. The rest went back to being old again, but staying young inside. If anybody remembers the series Amazing Stories, Spielberg directed this, and as it was an episode, I mean, it felt like an episode from that series and not as part of the movie overall. The change to the script from the original to the movie did not work and made me hate Ben Leo even more. What should have been a better story than the original fell short. Overall, um, the kick the can portion of the movie would only rate a 2 out of 5. My rating for the original episode is a 4 out of 5. So, even though there were parts of it that was boring, to be honest about it, I mean, it was portions. They were still... Things about the story, I really did like to um, rate it that high. Of course, we had a little um, discerning in that matter when uh, it came time for Bobby to give his review. So here's that. It's not a bad story. I don't dislike it, but I'm just, I just don't think it's very fascinating uh, watching a bunch of old farts walking around bemoaning the fact that they're getting old. <laughs> and uh, so it really, it, it doesn't do a hell of a lot for me, but it's not bad. And, and it, is, it does have a cast of, uh, of uh, character actors that is uh, quite impressive. But nothing really happens in it, and it's pretty obvious where it's going to go. I don't think there are any big surprises about it. So I don't have a whole lot about the, city epi- about the episode, but I would like to discuss the theory of going back to your childhood, if indeed you could, and whether it would be a good idea and whether you really want to do it. And what's interesting, whenever there are stories about the possibility of going back to your childhood, and this is the first place it ever appeared in, there have been other stories and books and things about the opportunity to turn back the clock and be younger than you were. The obvious reason to go back to your childhood is simply to avoid death. If you can keep going back there, 
you'll never reach the day when you when you have to die. That's the obvious reason. But I don't think there's anything to be gained by going back to when you were a child, except for the fact that uh, I think it would be worthwhile. Uh, Robert mentioned if you could have your memory when you go back. I think it's more than that. If you could go back to your child and have the wisdom that you've gained, if you're 72 instead of 12, you have seven decades worth of mistakes that you made, things you did wrong and things you did right, and uh, opportunities that passed you by that you, you, you missed. If you could go back and relive your time and now do it right, that would be a good reason to go back. That's something to be gained from it. But just to go back, just to kind of avoid getting older, I don't think there's much to choose on that. And I personally would never want to go back to my childhood because I was a very sick child. I don't want to live through that again. I had high fevers. I got every cold that came down the pike I got. And I had my temperature was 102, 103, sometimes higher than that. And I had to be rushed to the hospital several times because of having a high fever. So if I had the opportunity to go back, I would say no thanks. I have no desire to relive that. Also, going back, I mean, when you're a kid, what do you look forward to? You look forward to growing up. That's the only thing you really care about so that you don't, so you can be independent. Your parents don't don't tell you what to do, where to go, how how long you can stay out, what to eat. Now you're on your own. So that's something to look forward to, that you're growing up and one day you'll be on your own, can make your own decisions. So I don't really think there's a whole lot to I think if I had the opportunity to go back, I wouldn't. Now, of course, like I said, uh, these people are in, in, in a nursing home, but I find it kind of odd that uh, the way they look. They all look depressed. They're looking down the floor. They look sad. They've given up. But there's other things going on in the nursing home. Most, many people in the nursing home have physical infirmities. They're in wheelchairs or they're using walkers where they've had strokes and other problems that brought them in there. And the only, now that would be a reason to go back to your childhood, to get rid of those terrible physical things that happen to you with old age. So there are reasons to go, but I don't think just because you've given up on life or you're bored or you have nothing to look forward to anymore is a real reason to, uh, to go back to your childhood. It doesn't have to end up that way. I mean, look at Burt Mustin. I mean, I don't know. I, I forgot to look at IMDb to see how old he was when he was in this episode, but he, he worked in television and and things until his dying day, and he was an old man. So it, it doesn't have to turn out that way. And it's also interesting to see this is a 50-year-old story, and uh, you don't see any talk in it the way you would today about uh, Alzheimer's disease because nobody even knew what it was back then. Uh, they just talk briefly about being senile. That's what it was called then. But today it's a much, deeper, a much bigger problem, and... Uh, I, I was watching on the uh, national news a couple of weeks ago. They came out with a report that said that Alzheimer's doesn't begin when you get to be 75 and 80 years old. It starts when you're 50 years old, and you don't even know it starting then, and then it's a progressive thing. So that's another reason to go back to your childhood, to avoid the horrible things that happen to people when they get old and don't know where they are anymore. But I don't. Uh, I, I, I just think that the, the story itself is just lacking in the I think it's somewhat unrealistic. Uh, I gave it a two. I call it average, and I don't think it's much more than average. I'll tell you, I would have preferred, I think I would have enjoyed it more if it had a more of a Twilight Zone feel to it, and that is that these old people get to go back to being children.
children again. But when they get there, they find out that all of the physical infirmities they had as old people are still with them, only now as children. That's kind of a twist ending in the Twilight Zone in which you might be careful what you ask for. You might regret it in the long run. Thank you, Bobby, for that review. And um, we're finishing up with the um, kick the can here um, review of um, Ed. Yeah, I, I like this episode a lot. Um, it's actually one of my favorites. Um, I don't know, I guess it, it speaks to the kid in us, that unspoken, obvious wish we had that we all could just stay young. Um, I don't know if I want to stay a child, that's for sure, but maybe a permanent 20-something, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, you know? Um, I agree. I, 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 what's that? I said I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think going back as a child would have to include keeping your memory and living in your own, you know, proper childhood time frame, be it the, the 50s, the 60s, 70s, whatever it was, you know. Um, not not going back as a kid, because, yeah, what would you do? You know, I I, I enjoyed the story. Um, acting was actually very, it's very good. Um, you know, and at times it, it was touching. I know I, <laughs> I know some people didn't think it was, but I, I, I liked, uh, I liked the emotion they put into this episode and I thought it came through. Um, my favorite scene is, is the ending where, you know, where Ben's pleading for his friends, his friend to take him along. And, you know, if you feel his disbelief and his desperation, you know, he realizes his friend's going away and, you know, he's going to be left behind. I can't say a whole lot of negative uh, about this episode, except for, you know, there was one weird thing. Did you notice, what was Mr. Cox doing in his office that he didn't hear the firecrackers or the nurse yelling? Yeah, I know. I they had was, to wake him up. They had to wake yeah, him up, I know. Yeah, you know, I thought that was kind of strange. But Ben had Probably to didn't have a hearing him. aid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, he's only in his 40s. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, and damn kid. Isn't it weird that he lived there? He lived yeah. in the nursing home. How many people you know run the nursing home that actually live in the nursing home? Yeah, that's kind of weird. That is weird. <laughs> he, I, obviously, he wasn't married. I don't know. Maybe he's lying yeah. because he lies about his age to all the women he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he's got so much gray hair. Maybe he, he's just, uh, he never gets time off. He's got to work there all the time. Exactly. You know? <laughs> oh, who knows? So, yeah, I mean, my... Um, I think uh, this is one episode that I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think I wish it was an hour long myself. And I know you're thinking, oh, man, it would probably drag oh on. Oh, my God, that would have killed me. No, no. Yeah, I don't think it would have killed you, right? You didn't like this one to begin with. <laughs> well, I really yeah. need to regain my youth after that. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be over there playing solitaire the other side of the room. But anyway, Unless you're um, thinking an hour to maybe show what happened to the kids. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm thinking, something like that. I think it would, you know, kind of be interesting to see an after story about where a group of formerly senior and now orphan children are going to spend their days in this, you know, renewed oh, Twilight Zone. Oh, they went zone. up to Neverland with Peter Pan. You know, the I, usual thing to fight Captain Hook and the alligator. That's a reasonable explanation. Sure, why not? It's a Twilight Zone. Anything can happen. But you know, it, it would be, uh, it would be curious also to see the look on Mr. Cox's face when he realizes that his, you know, his career is over. And the police are there trying to determine where that many seniors could have disappeared to while in his care, you know. Yeah, they're never going to be found. They're all gone. Yeah, how can you get <laughs> ten old people and totally disappeared and never found? I mean, come on. I mean, it's unbelievable. And those milk cartons are busy, too, with all their faces on the milk cartons. <laughs> <laughs> where am I? 
<laughs> exactly. Do you know where I am? Missing. <laughs> oh well, I mean, oh, and, and also as, as a side note, uh, as, you know, Charlie's talking, you know, about his lost youth to Ben, and you know, Ben's being all crotchety. All I could think of was a senior version of Bert and Ernie. That's all I could think of, you know. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's all upbeat, and and, uh, and then you got Ben, who's all actually Ben kind of sounds like Bert. Now that I'm thinking about it, he's got that. Kind yeah, of like actually, that he's half of the two men from the Muppet Show, the two guys that would sit up in the booth and. Oh you yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah. There you go. There hey, you go. get off that stage there. Oh well, I, I give it uh, I give it four stars. I wouldn't give it five, but I give it four. I liked yeah. it a lot. And thank you, Ed, for that review. We're finishing up here with um, Kick the Can. And um, before I go, just want to remind everybody that um, November the 24th, um, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is going to be our next show. And it's going to be the review of To Serve Man, one of um, what a lot of people consider a classic episode. And uh, with that, I want to thank everybody for listening to the commentary here. And we'll leave you with Roger Ebert and Gene Siska back in 1983. Twilight Zone, the movie. Most everyone over the age of 20 remembers with relish the marvelous TV adventures into time and space called the Twilight Zone. Very clever and very scary stuff they were. And so a bunch of young film directors in Hollywood have gotten together to film the ultimate tribute. Four 25-minute episodes, sort of. The directors are Joe Dante, John Landis, Steven Spielberg, and George Miller. And the biggest surprise is that the worst episode was directed by Steven Spielberg of E.T. fame. Here's a scene from that episode with Scatman Crothers playing sort of a magical cheerleader to some old people who want to become young at heart. Maybe if we play kick the can, you get a little hold of that magic we've all been missing. A little hold on you. Look, their bones are old and will break if they try to run. Their hearts are old, their lungs are old. Oh, Miss Cox would never allow us to go out there and play, Mr. Bloom. It's against the rules. Rules? Did rules ever stop a child? No. People let rules stop you from the chance of being young again? No, 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 no. But the scene is just too obvious for my taste.